Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. My name is Daniel Bennett, and with me are Art Georges and Rich Burkle. And we are going through the Ten Commandments, and we've we've talked a little bit about the background of the Ten Commandments in a previous session, and we looked at the first two commandments in a uh, last session, and what we want to do in this session is talk about the third and fourth commandments. So let me go ahead and read those, and then I'm going to ask my esteemed colleagues, uh, their their uh, thoughts on, on these. Here's what uh, we read in the, the third commandment. This is from Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, guys, so let's talk about the third commandment here. Uh, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What is being prohibited there? What, what is he instructing us not to do there in, in verse 7 of Exodus 20? Well, I think it's more than uh, the customary thought that you're using God's name in a curse uh, statement, uh, in profanity, as we would say. Um, certainly it would that would be included, but I think um, th- th- there's the whole idea that in olden times they used to invoke God's name as a surrogate for their own faithfulness, like by God's throne I will do this or that. And and Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, again, you've heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, and anything beyond that is of evil. So those of us who carry the name of God as Christians uh, should be trustworthy. We, our word ought to be uh, trustworthy. Yeah. As we think about that command, it's it's pretty short and succinct, isn't it? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the two words that stand out to me as I think about that to understand it is the name and then in vain. And uh, so what is the name of the Lord? Now, uh, it's interesting. He says that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God. So he gives himself a name even in the in the command, mm-hmm. but through Scripture, he also gives himself many other names. Uh, in as I understand uh, the way Hebrews, uh, the way that the Jewish people used a name, it was to define character. 
So uh, when God presents these names, he's not just giving a moniker where we can understand what title to give him, but um, he is revealing who he is. So the name of the Lord represents who God is. So don't take the character of God, the communication of what of, of God to us uh, in all of his reality and goodness and greatness, and don't use in a manner that would be empty. So I know earlier, Art, you talked about how to glorify God means the, the weightiness of God. Well, vanity is the opposite of mm-hmm. glory. It, it's, it's, it's emptying that which is weighty of its weight. And so any application which we take the this description of who God is and we empty it out as though it's a light, uh, insignificant thing. And you, you were are mentioning about oaths, and one of the reasons why when you use the name of God in an oath and then don't follow through on it, it's, it's you're taking that name, that mm. that character mm-hmm. of who God is, and you're emptying out for the person who who is part of that transaction, part of or part of that communication. You're 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 treating God as though He is such an mm. insignificant thing, mm. and emptying the weight in your communication of your life of of who God is. And so I think that's what it means. Don't don't do anything that would empty God of the weightiness or of His greatness and glory, as you've attached your words and your life to Him. So there's a, there's a very close relationship between the first and second commandment and the and the third commandment. Absolutely, then. yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up, though, because I think about those instances in the Old Testament where even David would say, "As surely as God lives, the person who did this yes. will die." And like, okay, he's saying, "I'm I'm going to follow through." Then he's saying, "Absolutely." There's nothing nothing stronger to David who wants to glorify God than than taking the name of the Lord and saying, "Okay, this is how significant I will hold this promise or this pledge." So Jephthah had to follow through in his well, vow. Well, that's another oh, story. Oh boy, <laughs> we're in trouble there. His daughter. So either way, he's going to sin, right? Yeah. So I would have chosen the sin of of the this. Uh, you know this uh, this commandment of, of against the sin of the commandment of murder well, that also is going to deny God's glory. So what, what just to kind of help our our listeners here, you're talking about the story in the book of Judges of a man who vowed by God's name to to what to sacrifice the first thing that walked out of his house if God gave him victory. Yeah. So at that moment that he made that vow, he'd violated the, the third commandment already. Right, because right, he'd used God's name. Here, here's how. Uh, here's how uh, this book, Kingdom Through Covenant, as it's talking about, is by Gentry and, and Wellam. And here's what they say about the third commandment: it says the name of God represents and sums up His entire character and person, and to use that name brings His person and His power into a particular situation. And then, uh, when we use His name for something that is contrary to who He is, contrary to His character, we lift it up to a lie. Mm. I think that's true. It's yeah. good. It's good understanding that. Yeah. So, so what I hear you guys saying is, we can violate the third commandment by defining His character wrongly by by using His name in, in a way that's contrary to His character by um, by involving Him in ways that we shouldn't. You know, by by, by putting God's name in, in a situation on something that, that we should maybe even in a in a prayer, like we we pray for something publicly and we use God's name in that prayer for something that's that's contrary to what he's revealed in Scripture. Yeah. You know, one of the ways that this is most often applied uh, by people, and I think it's rightly applied, is is not taking the the name of God, Jesus, Lord, and making it a part of a curse word. 
um, mm-hmm. oh Jesus Christ, oh God, you know that 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 really is a violation of this because taking the, the name of God, which is weighty, and using it for something that is kind of a discarded curse word, um, and the reason why those words are 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 wrong is because of who God is and what we're communicating about God through our language and and consideration of mm-hmm. Him. Um, and this again, I, I, my observation is that this is still a very huge and maybe an increasingly huge uh, problem among evangelical Christians. Is you know there are a lot of curse words that are really awful. Um, what are uh, some of those, Rich? Yes, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> And it, it's usually, you know, it's, it, as you observe curse words, um, my observation of curse words generally <laughs> is, is that they have to do with things that uh, are most. A lot of them have to do with things that are sacred, or with uh, bodily functions. We'll stop there on that one. But but things that are sacred, like they they say, uh, you know, the word "damn," for instance. Which, uh, when I was little, I thought the word "damn" in itself was a a bad mm-hmm. word. You should never right. say the word. Well, no, the scripture uses that term, but it uses it rightly for that's a prerogative of God. Mm. And so the reason why saying the word "damn" is wrong for us is I I'm taking a prerogative of God upon myself, which which empties out the glory of God because now I'm setting myself in in God's place. Uh, Grabbing hold of prerogative that's only his, mm-hmm. but um, just as a story, I remember when I was in high school, and I, and I wasn't um, very credibly theologically a student in high school, so I didn't draw all this together. But I was very disturbed by a, a manager. I worked at McDonald's, and, and a manager, every other word was Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And I, the Lord convicted me of uh, my need to talk with Him about that. Here I was, you know, 17 years old, and there's this uh, very old person. He's probably 30s, you know, <laughs> maybe late 20s. But uh, and now I'm having to talk with him, and and uh, so Lord, I prayed, 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 and the Lord uh, gave me a, a way to approach it. I still thought for sure I was going to lose my job, but I felt just out of honor to God that I needed to talk to him about this, and so. I said, you know, can I talk to you about something that's kind of important to me? And I was sweaty palms and just nervous. And he's, well, sure, you know, take it back. And so I talked to him. I said, um, well, he says, I just want to set, share with you when you use the word Jesus in the way that you do, uh, Jesus is, is my Savior, and I love him. So mm. it, it really hurts me to hear his name being treated that way. And, uh, you know, I kind of braced for whatever is going to happen and maybe, you know, cursing me out. But, but you know, he, he looked at me. And he says, you know, he says, thanks for sharing that. that. That's really good. And then, you know, we parted ways, and, and I did notice he tried to change after that. But um, but again, I, I, I didn't understand all the theology behind this commandment at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, that is that is a good representation. As I thought, thought back of how the Holy Spirit worked in my life, even as a kind of a, maybe a, a more ignorant person of, of all the, the depth of theology behind this commandment, to say it's it's important for us to to live, act, and speak, and relate to others in a way in which, when our lives communicate who God is, that that it's a it's it's honoring Him, it's lifting Him up in front mm-hmm. of a world that that really empties God of of who He is and in, in mm-hmm. all of His significance. Yeah. So you just went much broader in terms yeah. of obedience to the third commandment, which is where I wanted us to go too. That's so a violation of the third commandment can be calling ourselves. Christ followers, Christians, people who are in a relationship with Yahweh God, and living in a way 
that's a violation of his character, that can be a violation yeah. of, of this as well. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, in, in fact, how we treat others that carry his name, James says, is not right. If, mm-hmm. if we dishonor someone who carries the name of, of Jesus. These commands are so full, aren't they? I mean, it, you could hardly look around any corner and not find almost each of these commandments there having some significant impact upon our life. You know, the thought that came to my head as we were talking is just the way we sing in church. And I know, you know, I've been in a lot of church services, and, and there are sometimes I'm connecting, mm-hmm. and there's sometimes I'm just just saying words that, you know, the, the environment, my head is somewhere completely different. But I am not filling those words related to God and sacred things with meaning. I'm by by not connecting mm-hmm. to who God is and yet yet mm-hmm. yet verbalizing His name. Mm-hmm. I really am emptying Him of His meaning, mm-hmm. as though He's He's uh, He's nothing uh, to uh, that's worthy of my full attention. Mm-hmm. And I've prayed that way as well before. You know, before a meal, let's pray, uh, dear God, thank you for this food, and. Uh, but without really connecting to how who I'm talking to, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I'm convicted at, at mealtime prayers that am I sending the wrong message to my kids that we just do this prayer thing, but we're not really connecting to God. So I appreciate that. Well, you guys have made the argument, and I have agreed with it that the Ten Commandments are still relevant today. That that we have a an obligation to to still know them and and find God's character in them and, and apply them in our lives. And so we've been talking about how to do that. So here's uh, here's a hard one. Here's here's the fourth commandment, and uh, it's it's the to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So, and and this was this is the one he gets the most commentary on, right? It's 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 uh, several verses here in terms of okay, let's get specific here. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Um, how how often are do you violate this commandment? Because I see you working on Saturdays all the time. I think you're <laughs> I just, every week. I just wanted to publicly <laughs> Thanks, confront Daniel. you, <laughs> just because you're done on Tuesday. Well, one application of this is to have a Saturday night worship service. By the way, <laughs> stretch. <laughs> So no, what? So no, yeah, seriously, what? Uh, what is the what is the commandment here? What's it prohibiting, and and how do we, how do we apply it? Yeah, well, remember the the Sabbath was given to Israel to reflect the fact that God rested on the seventh day from His work, and so He called His people in covenant with Him to rest on that seventh day and to reflect on Him, to reflect on His goodness to them, to reflect on their. Uh, their dependence upon him, and also to to refresh their soul in doing that. Yeah, as, as you look at the New Testament, um, you see Jesus was constantly running into trouble with the interpretation of application regarding the Sabbath. Uh, interestingly, is um, the, this this is really the own? I believe this is the only commandment of the ten that's not repeated in some direct form in the New Testament. And yet it's one that's maybe in the Gospels talked about more because of the way that Jesus was confronted. Mm-hmm. And what you have in the, as I read uh, the Gospels, you have an overregulation that's external by the Pharisees of this commandment. Uh, as I understand it, you couldn't spit on the ground and, and, and rub your foot over that spit because that would be uh, like cultivating the earth on the Sabbath. So there are all kinds of kind of 
what we would term ridiculous right. uh, applications of that. I've got some of them here, Rich. They're the 40 save one from the oral law. Sowing, plowing, reaping, binding, sheaves, threshing, winnowing, cleansing crops, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing, wool, washing or beating or dyeing it, spinning, weaving, making two loops, weaving two threads, separating two threads, tying a knot, loosening a knot, sewing two stitches, tearing in order to sew two stitches, hunting a gazelle, and it goes on. So writing two letters, erasing in order to write two letters. Those were some of the 40, save wow. one, the 39 regulations of... Yep the Sabbath that had developed. And then you have the statement of the Sabbath day walk. So they had determined how far you could walk on a Sabbath day without violating the Sabbath. Yes. And that's, that's Jesus. Of course, the great, the great uh, statement, at least the the one that I consider great about that Jesus made when uh, the Pharisees confronted him about healing on the Sabbath is that the Sabbath was made for man. Uh, Man was not made for the Sabbath. So the son of man is the Lord over the Sabbath. Uh, indicating again that that the Sabbath was given as a gift by God to help us connect to Him and His glory, because that's the very chief purpose of our life. Right. And so, while there was overregulation in among the Pharisees, uh, I look at my life and and sort of modern Christianity, American. I, I do wonder whether there's not an under attentiveness to this idea about setting aside a significant time in our week to consider and to enjoy God <laughs> and to enjoy his glory. So so often it, it seems that Sunday has become a day where there's still among Christians a, a, a bit of a commitment to come on a Sunday morning. But as soon as you're out the door, <laughs> then... You know, that's the time the Lord had. He had that hour, that two hours of time, and now the rest of the day is mine. And off we go without a, a single consideration of of how we can connect ourselves and our families to the Lord in vital relationship. You mentioned Jesus' uh, teaching on the Sabbath, and I think of Luke 6. You know, Luke 6, verses uh, 1 through 11, you have uh, two stories there. One is this the story of the disciples, and they pluck the heads of some grain on the Sabbath, and they rub them in their hands, and that seems to be a violation of the Sabbath, right? They're they're working, and and Jesus yeah. gives that principle. Of, you know, David David did, uh, David violated some ceremonial law in order to uh, in order to to eat, and and they gave the principle you mentioned, Rich, in verse five: the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then the next story tells about him healing on the Sabbath, and the the Pharisees confronting him. And so what what he says there, uh, he says in verse 9, to, to, the, to the Pharisees who are upset about him healing a man, he says, I, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to destroy it? I, I think the idea there is that the disciples seem to violate the Sabbath, but actually are in obedience to it because they're, they're worshiping the, the Lord of the Sabbath. The sad, the Pharisees seem to be keeping the Sabbath, but actually they're violating it because yep. they don't have a yep. Christ-centered focus and That's their correct. obedience to it. That's correct. Yeah. So, what applications maybe would you guys have? Uh, and this might be convicting to to each one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I recognize that that uh, my culture has has impacted me in in profound ways, and and I you know often uh, spend a Sunday afternoon, for instance, in football season watching football and. Um, uh, engaging in other activities, I, I, I do get convicted that I that that is a great opportunity. So, but what what 
pastoral counsel would you give? Well, first of all, I think the most important application is what the Sabbath was about. Uh, The Sabbath was intended to picture the rest that Christ would give to his people by faith. And so um, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about entering into God's rest, um, and when we have trusted in Christ, we have fulfilled the Sabbath that God was intending the Sabbath day to be a picture of, the fulfillment being in Christ. But we ought to consider whether or not uh, there's great value to having that rest um, on a weekly basis where we reflect on God, reflect on his goodness, uh, and, and understand our dependence upon him in all things. Yeah. And, and as we depend upon him, as we submit to him, it's going to produce not work, but worship. And so if I'm living my life in submission to the Lord of the Sabbath, I'm going to be living my life uh, not under this this legalistic, okay, I have to do this many hours of, of not working, <laughs> but in, in a joyous, worshipful relationship. It's going to be my desire, not an obligation. Well, uh, thanks, guys. A uh, lot to think through still here as we think about the Ten Commandments, and we'll, we'll pick up in our next session on the Fifth and Sixth Commandments. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Revive the Drive.